Boozed and Confused is a comedy and weird topic podcast. Adult language may be used probably by me. While our episode topics may be educational in nature, we are not responsible if your children start dropping the F-bomb to their kindergarten class. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome to our second episode of Boozed and Confused. The second premiere episode. I really didn't think we were going to make it this long. Honestly, it's uh, all thanks to all of our, what, 80 downloads? I don't know. No, we have like 80 Facebook fans and really I think... Uh, half of those are probably from my grandpa's multiple Facebook accounts. <laughs> Before we start our current episode, I have to give a shout out to my mom, A, for listening. You the real MVP mom. Um, I had talked about ghost stories last time, and I talked about a blue lady ghost, and she got a hold of me and was kind of like, you didn't quite get it right. And she low-key made it a little spookier, so I'm just going to correct the record, and we can get into our, our topic. So I guess I wasn't in a crib. I was kind of older than that. So I was playing upstairs, and I came down and told my mom that the lady wanted to talk to her. So obviously she thought that there was somebody in the house, and when we got upstairs, I couldn't find the lady. And she asked what she looked like. And that's when I pointed to the picture of my grandmother. And I guess I was bummed that she had left because we were playing together. So I got some details wrong, uh, but thankfully my mom got us all sorted out um, as is tradition. And so it's just a little spookier. So uh, what are we drinking today? Today I'm indulging in a Daisy Cutter Pale Ale. It's by Half Acre. Uh, it's one of my favorite breweries in Chicago, actually, and I'm super happy that their distribution has expanded a little bit more outside of the city, so I can actually buy it. I am drinking. Uh, I'm I'm still on the Rogue. Uh, this is a Dead Guy Ale. Um, surprisingly, nearly 7%. Um, I have one to open right now to get that noise. That one was yours. This one's mine. Uh, and I, I actually, behind the curtain time here, I have another one that's like halfway done. So I have one and a half. Are you double fisting? Uh, not, no, no, no. Sorry, mom. No, no. Uh, one is entirely fresh and one has been nursed for like an hour and a half, two hours. So it's like 50-50 beer and backwash. Mm-hmm. Mm. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about abandoned places. Ooh. Spooky. I do want to give the warning that for the first half of today's episode, my topic will include details about animal abuse that may be disturbing to some listeners. So if you feel like that is not your jam, that's totally fine. Skip ahead maybe about 20 minutes. Uh, and join the party on the second half. 
most people I would say have heard of Disney and more famously Disney World. Uh, so Disney World is the theme park in Florida. There's obviously Disneyland in California. And then there are Disney World parks kind of scattered throughout other places in the world. But Disney World, I think a lot of people travel to from internationally. It's a really neat place. I've been a few times, um, but it consists of four main parks. So there's Magic Kingdom, Epcot, Hollywood Studios, Animal Kingdom, and Disney World itself is absolutely massive. So there's 25,000 acres and only half of them have actually been used. The property isn't just the parks. So it includes hotels and water parks and golf courses. There's camping, there's outdoor shopping, but there are some parts of Disney that aren't as well known as the large tourist attractions that I just named. And there are some parts of the park that are a little bit disturbing, a little bit dark history. I was just going to say, I only know of like two Disney places and I always mix up the names and I've never been there and I've never had the Kool-Aid. We were going to get you the Kool-Aid this year. So we had a trip to Disney planned in May and that obviously did not happen for COVID reasons. But before shit really hit the fan, I mean, obviously we're in a pandemic, but... Wait, what? (laughs) I'm so sorry. You had to find out this way. (laughs) I thought we were all wearing masks because we all just wanted to be kind of spookier. Yeah. No, we're all preparing for Halloween a little bit early this year. It's on a Saturday this year. It is on the Saturday. Gonna turn up. I'm gonna turn up so hard. <laughs> so before shit really hit the fan with the pandemic, we had initially rescheduled our May Disney trip to uh, like end of August, beginning of September. And then obviously a few months ago, things uh, really started to look dire in Florida. And so we just flat out canceled. We did not reschedule and we're just going to wait for a safe time for it to... Uh, fulfill our disney vacation you might pass me the kool-aid but i'm gonna do that thing where i like throw it over my shoulder and go oof that was that was strong no no i think we're gonna get to galaxy's edge and i think you're gonna drink the kool-aid i will never drink the kool-aid so needless to say we will go to disney when we can comfortably walk around epcot uh with drinks drink our way around epcot and uh kind of just enjoy all that disney has to offer Can you ever really be comfortable if it's like 99 degrees and like super, super humid? Well, that's why you go during hurricane season. Look, the trade-off is super hot, sticky weather or hurricanes. There's no in-between. I don't know what to tell you. This is why Florida is the way it is. Florida man. I understand Florida man. I, I, I get it. I get it. So before Disney really became what it is known as now, uh, there was a part of the park that was called Discovery Island, and it's now a defunct Disney park that's in Florida that operated from 1974 to 1999. Before being known by its most recent name, Discovery Island was actually originally known as Raz Island, and the name came from the family that lived there from 1900 to 1937, And between the 1930s and 1960s, the island's name changed twice. The first was Idle Bay Isle uh, by a man named Delmar Nicholson, who lived there with his wife and his pet crane. (laughs) 
And the second uh, was Riles Island, and it was used for hunting. And before Disney officially created Disney World, they purchased the island in 1965 as part of their plan. I hope they didn't hunt the pet crane. I don't know. I, you know, I, I wish that the pet crane had its own little Wikipedia page so I could have at least learned his name, but they didn't, they didn't give that kind of insight. So Disney opened Discovery Island as Treasure Island originally in 1974, and it was meant to serve as a somewhat um, escape from the hustle and bustle of the park. So it's, it's pretty small. It's in the middle of a lake. And if you go to Google Maps and you look at uh, the parks, you can actually see it within the lake. It's about 11 acres. It's not, not too large, um, but it definitely sticks out. And the island was originally named and inspired by Disney's 1950 movie under the same title. And it was later changed to Discovery Island in 1976 when it became an accredited zoological park. After the park was rebranded, uh, the park became home to hundreds of endangered species, including the last of the four living dusky seaside sparrows, which actually I think do have a Wikipedia page if anyone is interested in learning more. Um, but unfortunately, those seaside sparrows went on to be extinct in 1987. And in 1989, it came to light that Disney was the subject of an investigation for abuse on the island. In my research for this week's topic, I found a lot of really good information from the Orlando Sentinel available online. It seems like they had the most in-depth articles that you could read. So if you find this topic interesting and you want to read more details, I highly recommend searching Discovery Island Orlando Sentinel online for um, some more details that we may not cover today. But according to the Orlando Sentinel, the investigation found that Workers routinely fired a rifle at hawks, beat vultures to death with a stick, destroyed the nests and eggs of ibises and egrets, according to state and federal investigators. They say that the park supervisor sanctioned the abuses. A two-month investigation resulted in 16 state and federal charges filed against Disney. Most of the charges dealt with the death of vultures, which were crammed into a tiny overheated shed for days with limited food and water. Disney at the time had refused to comment on the charges and a state report concluded that many of the employees at Discovery Island carried out illegal activities at the direction of curator Charlie Cook and that the workers were acting with the understanding that those activities were legal and authorized under Walt Disney World permits. What the heck? It's Disney. I thought Disney was so squeaky clean. No, Disney has... A horrible past, actually, for anybody who is not super familiar with Walt Disney. Wasn't he a Nazi? He was definitely a neo-Nazi. Isn't his head in a glass jar? I don't think his head is in a glass jar. I've been waiting to talk about the Walt Disney head in a glass jar thing for so long. I don't think that that's a thing, though. I think his head's in a glass jar. I'm pretty sure it's not. Or, 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 it is, and it's on Discovery Island. So Disney said that they received a permit from U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service in May of that year to trap and relocate 100 vultures, but they never actually got the approval of state or federal wildlife officials for its trapping and holding methods or a relocation site. 
Hill, who is one of the officials involved, said that he found it particularly disturbing because state investigators had met with Cook and other Disney officials in April of that year to explain the legalities of relocating those protected birds. And according to Hill, they had recently had a meeting where Disney was shown exactly what they had to do. And according to Hill, they should have known uh, that what they were doing was wrong and obviously not permitted. In June of that year, state game officials received an anonymous call about vultures being killed, and during several mid-July visits to Discovery Island, investigators learned that Disney had trapped about 10 vultures before applying for a permit. They also learned that at least 149 vultures, and as many as 200, had been caught. Approximately 120 were relocated, although it's impossible to say how many. Um, Disney obviously did not really keep records of anything uh, of this nature, so they didn't keep records of how many birds were moved or where they were actually moved to. But I have a feeling they, they went to the farm. I just think whenever you say Disney, I know you mean like the uh, corporation. I just think of like Walt Disney just like a giant net and like a rifle just doing everything by himself maybe in like steamboat willie costume um so during their second visit july 14th investigators found the metal shed oh the metal shed the metal shed uh it's 20 feet long it's eight feet wide seven feet high there's no windows ventilation water or perches and they found old food, feces, and feathers on the floor. Within the shed, they also found 19 vultures, one of them dead. But Cook, who works for Disney, later acknowledged that as many as 72 had been held in there at one time. Federal and state laws limited the capacity of the shed to three vultures. So some of those birds were kept there as long as two weeks, and uh, reports on how many vultures died differed, but it was at least 15. And other employees told investigators that as far back as the summer of 1988, uh, two of the employees were trapping vultures at Cook's direction. Agents found a logbook, which one of the employees later acknowledged that he and the other employee kept, uh, with entries such as this one on August 5th, 1988. Quote, caught two black vultures in a trap. Very much fun, end quote. And another on August 8th, 1988. Quote, found three or four dead vultures. I guess you wouldn't know how they got that way, end quote. Very fun, end quote. <laughs> Very cool. Thanks, Kanye. <laughs> another former Discovery Island employee, Lisa Rayner, told two state investigators that she saw Rajonis and Goodman, who are those two employees I was just speaking about, kill eight to ten vultures by beating them while they were in a trap. First of all, I feel like you have to be a sick individual to purposely hurt animals. I feel like you have to be even more fucked up to purposely trap them just to beat them. And I feel like you have to be so fucked in the head that you somehow manage to cram 72 vultures in a shed at one time when it's supposed to be a capacity of three. At the beginning of 1990, Disney settled the case, and this is again coming from Orlando Sentinel. Walt Disney World agreed to pay $95,000 to settle 16 animal cruelty charges against the company and five employees. The money is three times the amount the company could have been fined if it had been convicted of all of the charges in an actual trial. 
Disney will pay the bulk of that money, $75,000, to the Florida Game and Freshwater Fish Commission. And <laughs> I wish I had a job title that was like, hi, I'm the fish commissioner. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the commissioner. <laughs> the commissioner. A commission attorney said the money will be used to start airing television and radio public service announcements to educate the public about why maybe you shouldn't fucking stuff 72 vultures into a metal shed, but also about wildlife and environmental preservation. As part of the settlement, Disney pleaded guilty in U.S. District Court to one misdemeanor charge of capturing more wild vultures than allowed by federal permit. Federal and state prosecutors agreed to drop the 15 other charges against Disney and the five workers as long as they commit to no new violations against animals for one year. But after that, you're, you're welcome to abuse the shit out of vultures, apparently. Round two. Ding, ding, ding. Had Disney decided to stand trial on the four state and three federal charges filed specifically against the company, the attraction would have faced no more than $32,000 in fines, and the five employees would have faced either six months or one year in jail and up to $1,000 in fines. And since those charges were filed back in this time, Disney had replaced the island's curator, Charlie Cook, uh, who was one of the five employees charged It also had formed an advisory committee of outside environmental expert to advise the park on how to get rid of the vultures and recommend other operational changes. Like not abusing the fuck out of vultures. Amazing. You don't need an outside source for that. After all of this happened, where did this leave Discovery Island? Nine years after they settled the case and 25 years after it opened, Disney closed Discovery Island and it migrated all animals to their new homes in Animal Kingdom. And Disney never gave an official reason for closing Discovery Island, though uh, it's most likely to do with visitors being more interested in Animal Kingdom, which ultimately led to lower attendance. And here's the abandoned part. Since closing, the island has sat untouched and uninhabited, with no known plans for redevelopment. All of the original buildings remain on the island, though they've been damaged from natural aging and extreme weather. You can see pictures from one brave solo adventurer that had made their way to the island, and the pictures look very Jurassic Park-esque. I don't know which Jurassic Park, um, because I feel like maybe after the first one you learn you shouldn't bring back dinosaurs in a park (laughs) and make a a theme park out of it. But the pictures are pretty creepy. Everything's very much intact. Uh, And the last known person to be on the island was a man who was camping on Discovery Island uh, during COVID. (laughs) Oh, so this is like super recent. That was super recent. The man said that he didn't know he wasn't allowed to be there. But I have heard stories when I was doing some of the research for this. I've heard stories that the water surrounding this uh, island is alligator infested. I was going to assume so. It's Florida. It's Florida. I assume all water in Florida, including drinking water, including pool water, is infested with alligators. So that is the story of Disney's Discovery Island, which is now abandoned. And uh, if I can, I will leave a link in our episode description for you to be able to see the pictures of what the island looks like now. So what will you be talking about this week? I am talking about an abandoned place 
great. You're in, you're in the right place for that. Oh, we are in the right place. Indeed. Uh, what do you think, like, our town or our city, Chicago, what would things look like if everyone just, like, up and vanished just like that in, like, three hours from now? There was nobody here ever again. What would it look like here? What are the circumstances around people leaving, though? Because I've actually thought about like a zombie apocalypse more frequently than I care to admit. So I, I have like a pretty good idea, I think. The circumstances? Of like what the town would look like. Yeah. Why would we be leaving Chicagoland? Yeah. I mean, so like what would the town look like if nobody was here? Is it because somehow a tsunami came off of Lake Michigan and people have left? Or is it because there's like a zombie apocalypse and the zombies are making their way from downtown? Let's just say the answer is yes. Great. Okay. Oh, you want me to go into It's detail? an actual question. Oh. <laughs> um, I don't know. It would be a little bit lonely. Question. Are the Waffle Houses open? No. Whoa. Is that serious? Oh, my God. Yeah, it'd be pretty empty, pretty lonely. The thing that I am talking about is indeed an abandoned place. Uh, this abandoned place was founded in February of 1970, February 4th to be exact. And this would be what about 50,000 people called home. Now, this is literally a ghost city since the abrupt abandonment on the afternoon of April 27th, 1986. Do you have any idea what happened on that day? Well, you should really say in that week. I have a couple of ideas, but if I don't get it right, my mom is going to ask for a refund for the tuition she paid for high school, so let's not embarrass me. I'm talking about the nuclear city of... Hold on. I've been saying this word all day and I'm going to look it up again to say it. Just going to look it up really quick to say it. I'm going to be talking about the city of Pripyat. 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 Which is in the Ukraine, uh, like the like tippy tippy top of the Ukraine. Pripyat was home to um, this little military city where people were living very close to nuclear power plants and they would commute to the factories and the power plants and they would work. Do you know what power plant was extremely close to Pripyat, Ukraine? Starts with a C, ends with a Chernobyl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is a city that is extraordinarily close to where the uh, Chernobyl power plants I guess were i mean they're still kind of there but where they were yeah uh pripyat was known as a uh, a closed city a closed city is a very popular thing in soviet times this is essentially a settlement where travel or residency restrictions are applied so that it required specific authorization to visit there or remain overnight why because the government says so i mean i don't know it just seems like Pripyat had some like over controlling parents actually well actually i was going to say Pripyat was not a typical closed city in so much as 
they thought it was really great for people to see how clean and effective nuclear power was. So even though it was a very politically and militarily important city, um, the government wanted people to see how safe nuclear power was. So come on in to Pripyat and see the Soviet engineering. I feel like the tourism there probably didn't really take off much. You know, actually, in in terms of Soviet stuff, uh, this was like a really, really, really bougie small city. Uh, they had tons of facets and things that you'd want to see in your local suburbs or cities. So in the, in the extraordinarily short time that this city existed, uh, you had a number of luxuries. We're talking like 15 primary schools, five secondary or high schools, uh, a very large hospital complex. You only had one. There were a number of stores, gymnasiums, there were parks. There's a humongous cinema. There were a number of factories that people worked at, even if you didn't work at the power plant. Um, there was a bus line, a railroad system, uh, and there was even about to be an amusement park. This was all great and beautiful and it was going to be uh, it was going to continue being a great city for so the soviet union uh, but this was all cut short um, april 26 1986 the chernobyl power plant has a massive explosion we recently watched the chernobyl series on hbo it was like what like five episodes four episodes I think it's something like six or eight episodes. We watched like the first half of them pretty quickly. And then we spent like two months and we watched the, finally watched the last one. Well, because it's also so infuriating to watch. For anyone who hasn't watched it, I highly recommend. It's a great show and it's phenomenally produced. For anybody who has watched it, you understand what I'm talking about. There's so much anger that you feel watching this, but... Obviously, um, it's based on true events, so you kind of already know how it plays out. That's not so good. So even though the meltdown was on the 26th, it wasn't until the 27th that the people of Pripyat were ordered to evacuate the city. Uh, they had a three-hour time period. It was pick up, pack your bags, you're leaving. Three hours That's all they had. Um, however, everyone thought they were going to be right back. Oh, we had a little meltdown. Everything's totally cool. The Soviet Union has everything under control. Go f to Yaya's house down the road. You'll be right back home. That's kind of how I felt when I was leaving downtown for the last time in March because of the pandemic. And we all thought, okay, see you guys in a couple of months. And now it's August. That's how I felt uh, back in March when school was stopping uh so the people thought they'd be right back so they only packed like a suitcase worth of stuff you don't need much for you know a weekend trip now pripyat was only three kilometers away from the explosion site uh in american terms that's like just under two miles like 1.8 miles to be exact you can imagine the massive amounts of fallout that would have been experienced had you been around there for too too long this little city is such an amazing snapshot of what 
day-to-day life would have been in the Soviet Union. You know, they packed a little bag, thought they'd be back in a few days, but they never came back. So everything to a T is without fabrication how it was like. Don't get me wrong, the military still does use this area. This city of Pripyat is right in the middle of the Chernobyl exclusion zone. Basically, it's a place that's off limits to everybody. It's to limit the spread of hazardous materials and to monitor what's going on, like what's with the uh, radiation. I feel like at one point I had read something on maybe like a Today I Learned on Reddit that talked about a group of people who still live within a city like a nuclear zone. Is that in Pripyat? I I think so. Um, There's this really awesome video I watched. It's this bald English guy who explores old Soviet places and he definitely takes some shots of like moonshine with some old babushkas. That could be them. I think the group that I had read about, they were definitely all older. And I think they kind of just refused to evacuate. And I mean, I guess so far so good for them. Also, I feel like if you survive that meltdown, you could probably survive COVID. Probably. I feel like they could survive anything, really. Um, I don't know if we can, but I will. I would love to link that video into the description of this pod episode. Can you make it happen, producer? <laughs> I'll, I'll try to make it happen, co-producer. Oh, got the co. Uh, assistant to the producer. Uh, so question, uh, do we know when we'll have the all clear to go back to Pripyat? When can all these people go get their stuff? Ooh, I don't think I would want any of that back. No, I think I'd be like, you know what? I'm probably I'm probably good. Just like maybe put it in a museum 300 years from now when it might not be radioactive anymore. 300. That's so generous. Oh, oh, oh yeah. No. You're not even close. Oh, no, you're not even close. <laughs> uh, so ranging between Chernobyl itself, was it like factory number four mm-hmm. or something? Whichever one had the massive meltdown and Pripyat, which was, we'll say like 1.8 miles away, you have a timeline of between 3,000 and 20,000 years before it's habitable. Oh. Yeah. It's it's a long time. It's a long time before we can go back there. I'm going to bet you those those grandmas are still going to be kicking back moonshine, I'm sure. They'll be around. So even though you can't live there, obviously, and you can't stay there... And there is some military presence uh, there. You can actually get a pass and visit Pripyat. Um, you can like go for like a hike through there. Wait a second. Yeah, I'm not joking. No, you no, can... no, no. Hold on. Do you remember the movie that we watched? I think it's called Chernobyl Diaries. But it's these young kids. I say kids like they're not close to our age who hire some sketchy ass tour guide to take them on a tour of Pripyat and all this freaky shit happens and there's like mutant dogs and there's like some paranormal shit I think that maybe happens within these abandoned do you remember this movie this is one to rewatch for me because it's 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 a good movie it's drawing a blank it's definitely full of cheesy jump scares but um for all my other 90s babies that has Jesse McCartney in it. Um, so it's definitely Jesse worth McCartney. the watch. Yeah, uh, yeah. so you, you can hike through Pripyat. You have to get permission. I mean, 
you can do whatever you want, but you can get permission to go to Pripyat. Uh, you'd think you'd get all kinds of like really bad radiation poisoning, but I guess levels are low enough that you'd have to be there for quite a long time before encountering anything really life-threatening. Uh, the main dangers of going to there now, besides the threat of being irradiated, is uh, getting hurt by the massively dilapidated structures of 1980s Soviet Union. This place will remain a freeze frame of the Soviet Union in 1986. People who have gone to Pripyat say that you can still go to the schools and the stores. Uh, there's communist propaganda still hanging on the walls. Personal belongings all over the streets and inside the abandoned buildings that were once apartments. Uh, they were awaiting a May Day celebration that never took place. Uh, there's toys all about the schoolhouse where they were last dropped by children uh, who are probably now super grown up and i'm not sure if they even want those toys anymore not bad memories um all all the clocks that were running uh if they were on time are frozen at five till 12 which is when the government turned off the power as they were escaping so i don't know if i ever want to go to pripyat uh but i feel like if i was really trying to get into like fallout mode like the video game Fallout, um, this is the place to go. Uh, there are there are amazing, amazing photos that you can check out online. Just look up Pripyat. And so that is the ghost city of the Soviet Union. I'm just, I'm so bummed. I, I really think it'd be so cool to go to this amusement park. They were so close to opening. So close. It could have been the next Six Flags. Thanks, Chernobyl. Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Chernobyl. I mean, really, thanks to that that one fucking guy. It's all that one guy's fault. The guy who... You know who I'm talking about. The guy who's like, oh, it's not that big of a deal? Yeah. He was just covering his butt. Terrible. He was just just trying to look out for number one. Also, I did just look it back up. It is Chernobyl Diaries. Uh, It got like 15%, I think, on Rotten Tomatoes. I promise it's so much better than that. It's definitely worth watching. It's absolutely full of um, cheap jump scares, but it's a really good movie. You do like bad movies. Bad horror movies, that is. You like bad horror movies. I have great taste in movies. 15% is not that great. Well, it was like 77% on uh, Google reviews. In my opinion. And in my opinion, yes, it, it is was at like least eighty-two. It's like a B plus. So yeah, ghost towns, ghost abandoned places, abandoned places, abandoned places. I don't know how abandoned Pripyat actually is, but for all intents and purposes, it is abandoned, minus the military presence and those grandmas making moonshine in the toilet so i just looked this up out of curiosity this is from bbc in 2018 it says it is still illegal to live inside of the exclusion zone but despite this about 130 to 150 people actually do and most are women still farming their ancestral land in their 70s and 80s that's so fucking badass And just outside of the exclusion zone, it seems like there are people who move in. I'm sure it's cheap land. Oh, I'm sure it's like Texas cheap. Uh, Yeah, like like Florida swamp land. You have $7? Here's 1,000 acres. (laughs) Build a McDonald's if you want. If you Google Pripyat photos, I would maybe do some fact checking. 
on the photos that you see. I feel like these are pictures that could be super easily photoshopped into maybe um, something a little bit spookier than it is. I will say even some of the pictures from like inside of the hospital are a little bit spooky on their own. No Photoshop needed. You know, I, th- I, th- I think what makes it so creepy is the fact that this could happen anywhere. I mean, not like the nuclear part, but like just up and leave, gone, plans on being there later, but you, you never come back. That's what I think is so eerie about Pripyat is this is a place that was bustling and full of life and in a matter of three hours entirely abandoned, not counting the, the you know, those... uh those grandmas the 150 badass women who are still living on their ancestral lands in their 80s right i mean i i feel like truthfully the closest thing that we would ever really experience to this just based on our location um and hopefully something like this never happens again in our lifetime anywhere in the world but uh the closest thing we really have to this is the pandemic and the thought that everyone had of like, well, it'll just be a couple of weeks. And that was in March and it is the middle of August. And uh, I have not stepped foot inside of my work office in months. It'll be over soon. Yeah, just any time now. Real, real soon. So, yeah, um, I'd say that would take us to the end of the episode. Uh, do yourselves a favor. Take a look at Pripyat. It's pretty spooky. You can also Google photos of Discovery Island uh, to take a look at what was found left on the island after all of these years. It is very Jurassic Park-esque looking. I'm going to go, and I'm going to go plan my trip to Pripyat. Okay, so you won't take a day trip to, I don't know, somewhere in Illinois, but you're going to go to Pripyat? It's probably one of the safer... You know what? Hold up. Pripyat is a great place to socially distance. You don't have to worry about a lot of other people being there. I'm actually on board. I'm convincing myself. I just need one of those um those armor suits from Fallout. <laughs> so I need a nuclear core, a pit boy. I'm good to go. Yeah, that might be some heavy luggage. Real heavy luggage. When you wear it, you can carry more. So it's all good. It carries itself. But okay, that's it. Thanks for joining us this week. If you liked our episode and you like our podcast, uh, feel free to give us a review on, what is that, Apple Podcast? Uh, I don't know if the other ones require. (laughs) I don't even know. I don't know if the other ones require reviews. I have no idea. But um, tell your friends, tell your parents if if they're chill. Tell your grandparents if they're even chiller. Okay, bye. Bye.